Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. This episode is brought to you by the Center for Addiction and Mental Health here in Toronto. Cutting-edge, state-of-the-art, compassionate facility. Right now, it is Mental Health Awareness Week. This is the time when they need you most. This is the time when you can make a real difference when it comes to doing something about the mental health crisis and the devastating opioid epidemic, the overdose epidemic that we're currently experiencing, losing 20 people every day. They need your help. Donate at camh.ca slash CanadaLand to help CAMH treat addiction and build hope. Hey, I need you to pay close attention to this message. It is not an ad. This is about Canada land and this is about you. You need to know that the news crisis is about to get a lot worse. You've heard about the layoffs. We're about to have news closures. And it's very likely that we're going to be seeing the defunding of the CBC. Where are you going to get your information from? What can you do about this? You can support Canada land. We need you to... And so for this month and this month only, you can become a Canada Land supporter and get everything our supporters get for just $2 a month. That is an almost 80% discount. The clock is ticking on this. It disappears at the end of the month, and then we will not offer it. We need your support. We need to keep news coverage alive in Canada. Go right now to canadaland.com join. And thank you. Jen Gerson, writer and editor with the National Post. How you doing? Ah, I'm all right. Welcome back to Canada Land Shortcuts. Thanks for having me. This episode of Canada Land Shortcuts is brought to you by Tim Heron, Eric Lavallee, Matthew Block, Peter Gibson, Mason Manrahan, Stephanie Murphy, Che Erasmus, Jen Gowan, and Ben Gresick. Ben, why did you decide to be awesome? Uh, because Jesse made me feel guilty about listening to Canada Land for free. But I enjoy the content so much that I couldn't stop, so I had to pay. This episode is also brought to you by FreshBooks, the original sponsor of Canada Land, FreshBooks.com, painless billing, cloud accounting. Jen, this is a Canadian company that is giving away thousands of free meals to needy people this holiday season uh, in a partnership with Second Harvest who do good things. And uh, what else can I say about FreshBooks? I'm going to say things I've said before because I believe them to be true. I use FreshBooks all the time. It saves me time and money. It has an incredible mobile app that is wonderful. If you are a person who has to 
file invoices. Uh, if you have to file receipts, expense receipts, it makes that a lot easier. It shaves time off of the boring administrative stuff I got to do every week. It gets me paid quicker. And uh, I recommend it to freelancers and small business people anywhere. You can try it for free for 30 days. It's a good time to try it for free because you can get your whole 2016 onto FreshBooks, which will be make life easier for you come tax time. When you do become a customer after that 30-day free trial period, tell them that Canada Land sent you. You will be doing the show a favor. FreshBooks.com, painless billing, cloud accounting. Check it out. This episode is brought to you by Douglas, a mattress trusted by more than 200,000 Canadians from coast to coast to coast. Trust is important. There are a lot of mattress lies out there, a lot of mattress liars. And I, I, I didn't intend the pun, but it occurred to me that there is one as I was saying those words. Listen, I am not lying to you. Uh, I have uh, experienced the Douglas mattress. It is an exceptional mattress at a surprisingly affordable price point. It is a mattress that sleeps cool. doesn't have that weird thing in the summer where the mattress gets like an oven. It's a very good product. It's delivered to your house in a box. You don't have to go to a big mattress store. It is a medium firm mattress, which is what Canadians prefer. And it comes with a 365-night trial and a 20-year warranty. What more can I tell you? Douglas is giving our listeners a free sleep bundle with each mattress purchase. Get the sheets, pillows, mattress, and pillow protectors free with your Douglas purchase today. Visit douglas.ca slash CanadaLand to claim this offer. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Uh, it's amazing the things that we tell ourselves to talk ourselves out of getting help. Anybody who's actually gotten help knows that the process of getting things off your chest, of taking your stressors, your problems, and just like not letting them be bottled up, working through just conveying them to somebody Half of the battle is just doing that. You unburden yourself. And you know what? If you have a real mental health professional, no, they don't have magic bullets or magic words that make it all go away. But often they can help you see things a little bit differently and guide you to strategies or tools or to a new perspective that actually does Help. As the largest online therapy provider in the world, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. Because you listen to this podcast, you get 10% off of your first month at betterhelp.com slash CanadaLand. That's betterhelp.com slash CanadaLand. Okay, Jen, we're about to hear what it sounded like when a mob of reporters were allowed into the apartment building that belonged to the alleged shooters in San Bernardino. Okay, well, we're about to walk inside because they've uh, got the door open and uh, you can see there's a crush of cameras here. There's people holding up their cell phones, taking snapshots. This is a prayer rug. There's a teddy bear here. All right, so we've got quite a number of pictures of children here. Yeah, this is clearly a birthday party that was taking place with the cake. And the smiles. Let's make sure we don't know. Okay, here's the first Let's make sure we don't see the children. Let's not, let's not show the child, Carrie. Uh, but, of course, you could see the child. That was broadcast live on MSNBC, who later apologized. They regretted uh, showing that. They showed the ID of uh, one of the alleged shooter's mothers. With They basically doxed her. And I don't know. I mean, like the first thing is it was pretty gross just to see this private residence with the, the nursery filled with reporters just rifling through everything. I mean, I guess before we get into it beyond that, like that was the just emotional reaction I had to seeing all these reporters there. Did you feel the same way, Jen? 
Um, yes, I suppose the part of me that still has human emotion uh, did feel that that was a bit gross. But here's where I kind of confess that I'm a terrible human being. Um, you know, I came up through reporting and journalism, and like most of us do, and, you know, if I'm standing outside the San Bernardino shooter's apartment and the, and the landlord lets me in, I'm going into that apartment every single time. No question, no regrets, no guilt. I will do that. Um, you know, if you're if you're a journalist, you know, you, you, and you're coming up through reporting, you get used to the idea of, OK, yeah, I, I will go through someone's garbage if I can. You know, if that's legal, if it's legally permitted for me to do that. Sure. No problem. Um, you will get used to the idea of doing everything that is legally permissible to get information about um, your, your subject or your targets. I don't think that there's any debate among journalists that, you know, simply broadcasting that stuff live was really dumb um, for obvious ethical reasons. I mean, putting out pictures of the kids, putting out, you know, family members related to these shooters puts them obviously at, at risk of, of some kind of vigilante justice. It puts them at risk of harassment and abuse, which they don't deserve. So, you know, no question that the organizations who shot that and broadcasted it without any kind of discretion live were profoundly dumb and unethical in doing so. Um, but can I fault them for entering the apartment and snooping around if the landlord let them in? I probably would have done the same thing. I, I really would have. That's the job, I guess. And there is actually this question as to whether or not that was okay. The FBI had cleared it as a crime scene and turned it over to the owner. And then if the owner allowed the, the press in, then maybe that's on him. I mean, there's legal issues there. I don't know if you can just, because people are accused of a crime, you can, you know, I don't know what the the laws are there. And apparently he was taken away in a police car. The local sheriff's department said that, that, that it had not been cleared as a crime scene. So obviously there's some, some haziness and confusion. But yeah, the journalists are there to get the story. The reporters are there to report. Everyone's curious about this. The whole nation's watching. And you can just sort of see the pack mentality as the plywood was ripped off. And everyone just goes in there. It was it was that filter that was lacking. Uh, should we hold up this ID to the camera? Should is it is it tasteful or appropriate? I mean, you can get into some sort of like very practical ethical questions of when you're exposing someone's identity and you're exposing them to the possibility of vigilante justice. And then there's just like, come on, that's a little kid's toy. That's their I don't know. They just oh, I would have really I would have I would have broadcast the toy every single time because that's good pathos there. But I wouldn't have broadcast. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't have broadcast the pictures of the kids. That that to me would have been over the line, no question. But I mean, even if the pack hadn't been there, you're going to tell me that as a reporter, if you're the only person who's at that plywood door and you're the only person who's who's uh, uh, has the opportunity to enter that that apartment, that you're not going to go in. No way. Not yeah, if you do in. this job. No, there's no way. You will go in every time and you'll be like, I, I got the yeah. scoop. <laughs> and I'm not going to take the high ground. I mean, we're going to we're going to reprint what uh, some of these tweets in our coverage. And we had a discussion here at the office of whether it was should we be showing the tweets if we're criticizing that they were tweeted. Yeah, we're, we're going to show that stuff because we're, like, how can we report on what the media did if we don't show what the media did? Now, here's a specific thing that sort of put it on my radar in talking about what the Canadian media is doing that night. The CBC headline ran on cbc.ca, uh, reporters route through San Bernardino shooter's apartment on live TV. This is Lauren O'Neill reporting on C CBC News Story. And it it's all about how, you know, a, a sort of a finger-wagging account of all of the journalistic transgressions that took place uh, that we just discussed here. And 
Among those reporters were three CBC <laughs> reporters. There were C- three CBC reporters in the apartment, which was not necessarily overlooked in the CBC article, but this is how they dealt with it. Uh, I'm quoting from the article here. CBC's Matt Kwong, who was inside the apartment, said reporters were leafing through papers, splaying out baby photos on a bathroom floor, holding up Islamic literature, and rummaging through food in the couple's pantry. That almost suggests that the CBC reporters were there to report on the other reporters and not to do what everyone was doing, which was like looking at these things and tweeting them to the world, which the CBC reporters were doing. Well, you know, I went to school with Matt Kwong, and I know him quite well, and he's a he's a really brilliant reporter. But I, again, we have to draw the distinction between the sins here. Entering the apartment, which at this point I'm presuming was not illegal because, of course, they had legal permission to enter that apartment, um, is not a journalistic crime. Rooting through those files and documents, if, if the landlord had permitted it, is, is, is no transgression. It's the, the sin here was in broadcasting... Uh, that stuff live and without discretion or, 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 or thought to what they were broadcasting. That was what was the problem here. Um, so I, I can't really fault the CBC for, for, for being in the apartment. And I, I think actually the CBC deserves some credit for, for um, not engaging in that really base instinct to, to broadcast live as, as there was this, this, you know, this, this, this live media looting, right? Hold on. Is, is a live tweet, not a live broadcast? Is that the distinction that you're drawing? No, I don't think that there's a sin in, in, in a reporter doing everything within his legal ability to find information about the shooters. That, that is, is fine to me. Um, I think the sin was in was in indiscriminate broadcast. That was that was the problem. I mean, to be honest with you, that that, that is something that uh, all of us deal with all the time. I mean, reporters find stuff, pictures, items, pieces of information um, that we feel that for ethical reasons we can't broadcast. We that that happens constantly. So the 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 issue isn't in finding the information. The issue is in deciding what goes out into the public. Right. And to be specific here, what uh, Kim uh, Brunhuber and, and Matt Kwong, the things that they were live tweeting were, I think it was uh, uh, Kim, uh, did tweet a picture of a bunch of documents and photos, but it wasn't like, I don't know, it's sort of hazy borderline, like uh, maybe you could kind of zoom in and, and make something out of it, but it wasn't like some of the MSNBC stuff where they were holding up an I- ID or a photo of a kid to the camera. I think that you're right, the sin is in the broadcast, but there's a second problem when you later report on that without really, I mean, I think you you could read the CBC report on the website without knowing really that the CBC reporters were absolutely taking part in the exact same behavior. Well, it's here, but again, I mean, they weren't at the same time. Yeah, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that they disclosed that their own reporters were in the room as well. That is appropriate. But I don't think the CBC did anything wrong there. Um, you know, if the CBC had had engaged in this kind of, you know, put, putting somebody's driver's license um, uh, through their Twitter account or uh, broadcasting identities of the kid or do- broadcasting pictures of the kid. Yeah, I think that that criticism would be much fairer. But I, I don't see where the CBC aired. That's my question here. I guess I'm saying this. And, and uh, <laughs> if the headline had been reporters, including ours, Root through San Bernardino shooter's apartment online. That's just bad headline writing. Come on now, Jesse. <laughs> bad headline writing. The sense that they are exposing these other reporters was the thing that galled me. And that's that's all I got to say about it. Eh. Eh. That's all I have to say. I'm Brian Lilly with the Rebel.media. Barbara Kay, columnist with the National Post. She has a, a, a new column out on... I believe it's called Bill 59. What's worrisome about it? If passed, uh, would allow individuals or the Quebec Human Rights Commission itself to uh, initiate lawsuits 
against people that create fear of the other. Jen, why do I have to resort to Brian Lilly and Barbara Kay in order to play a media clip about Bill 59? Why is it only the Rebel and the National Post that have been talking about this Quebec bill that would uh, severely limit speech? Well, that's an excellent question, Jesse. I, I also am curious as to why you have to resort to Brian Lilly and the National Post in order to have completely legitimate questions about Bill 59 <laughs> answered. I, I, I think that this is a, a prevailing question that I have. And, and Oh, my God, I have so much to say about this. Do we want to talk about the Bill 59 itself? Yeah, let's give people a, a bit of a, a quick summary as to what this thing is. OK, so Bill 59, as far as I understand it, is an attempt to try and reinstate the kind of Section 13 hate speech laws that were recently abolished from the federal side back in Quebec. It is it is um, a law that is trying to strengthen hate speech provisions and give human rights tribunals uh, really broad authority to tr sort of uh, instigate investigations and conduct investigations on behalf of marginalized uh, individuals and groups. I think you and I are kind of aligned on a lot of this stuff. I think you and I are, are pretty close to free speech absolutists on a lot of this stuff. Um, the, the, the concern that I have about the way hate speech laws in Canada go is that typically speaking and traditionally speaking, it is very, very hard for the state to come up with a coherent definition of a hate speech law that doesn't wind up growing and encompassing more and more and more kinds of speech. And, and that creeping encroachment, that creeping sort of attempt by the state to, to police and clamp down on what kinds of um, speech is acceptable or not acceptable, I think should be of concern to anybody who writes and opinionates for a living. My real, real problem with a lot of these types of hate speech laws is that um, I think that by trying to clamp down on hate speech, you actually create a culture and an environment that creates more vitriolic, nasty discourse toward marginalized groups in the long run. When you create an environment where polite society can't engage in reasonable, non-bigoted discourse about the problems with, say, leprechauns, what you actually wind up doing is you push the anti-leprechaun sentiment further and further and further into the extreme. And then you, you hand over control over that narrative to the most extreme anti-leprechaun elements. And that, I think, is, is what we've seen happen over the last 10 to 15 years. As it has become more and more difficult and unacceptable and 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 wrong to make cogent, reasonable criticisms of Islam just as we would make cogent, reasonable criticisms of Catholicism or any other religion. Essentially, what you've done is you've handed enormous moral soapboxes over to more and more extreme figures. When you start treating people like Sam Harris or, or um, Ayan Hirsi Ali as bigots, as people who are, are outside the realms of polite society, you actually hand the narrative over to people like Donald Trump and Ann Coulter. And that is my concern with hate speech laws generally, that, that the, the, they're almost like drug laws. The more heavy handed the state tries to become in trying to clamp down this stuff, um, the more valuable and more nasty the actual problem becomes. Well, you said a lot of smart stuff there, but that was never a summary. That's the last time <laughs> I'm going to ask you to summarize anything. <laughs> I can't stop talking. <laughs> okay, I'll give it a shot here. So, yeah, Bill 59, Quebec bill that essentially moves the bar from, and I agree with this, we should not be able to say, let's go kill Catholics. And I think all reasonable people agree you shouldn't be able to say that. A, a step below that is 
I hate Catholics. I think you should be able to say that. I think there's a big distinction between let's go kill all the Catholics and I hate Catholics. I don't hate Catholics, but I think you should be able to say that. And this law essentially even goes one step further and says we should all be afraid of Catholics is something that this law says should be illegal. Anything that that actually uh, creates fear of the other, even more so, this Bill 59 criminalizes speech that hasn't happened yet. If the person has knowledge that such speech is about to be engaged in or disseminated, this law steps in. So this is a pretty big overreach of uh, speech, a, a big encroachment into freedom of expression in general. And not only has it been ignored by the rest of the media besides the National Post and the Rebel, but it's been ignored by Penn Canada, who I, full disclosure, have done a little bit of volunteer work for. And it hasn't really been touched on by Canadian journalists for free expression, who uh, are a sponsor of the show and, and who I do uh, more volunteer work for. And I wonder I wonder why that is. I, I mean, I don't wonder why. I know why it is. I, I think it's because the intent of Bill 59 is to curtail anti-Islamic rhetoric, which is awful in this country and re- reached a fever pitch and boiled over to actual violence on the streets during the last election. But I, I, I'm going to surprise a lot of people here who think, I mean, I do think uh, I get a lot of email from people saying to me, oh, you know, Islam isn't a racist. It's not racist to say anti-Islamic things. No, I'm sorry. It's not racist to say anti-Catholic things because the result of that speech is not visited upon an ethnic ethnic minority. The result of anti-Islamic speech is visited upon a visible ethnic minority. It is racist to say virulently anti-Islamic things. That Whether that's your intent or not, that's the outcome. And I'm sorry, I hate that speech, and I think you should be allowed to say it. Uh, yeah, I mean, you and I are, are completely aligned on this one. I, I think that uh, the, there are limits to... Uh, when I say I'm a free speech absolutist, I, I don't actually mean that, because I do think that there should be some limits to free speech. I don't think that we should be able to utter threats. Um, I'm comfortable with 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 a law that prohibits uttering threats. I, I I don't think free speech should extend to that. I'm comfortable with laws that that shut down people who incite um, violence, who actively go out and incite violence and say, you know, we should be killing the leprechauns. That is. I am. I'm okay with the state taking control at that point. You are so much smarter than me to use leprechauns for your hypothetical. And for some reason, I I, I have no problem with Catholic people. I'm, I, I oh, just admit it. You just you hate the Catholics, Jesse. Just just don't up to it. Um, but I think that that's correct. And I, I, I as I said, it's I, I I have increasing concerns with the degree to which we are attaching causation to speech. I have increasing concerns with the degree to which we will very casually say, you know, that piece in a newspaper or that cartoon was racist, so therefore it should never have been published because look at all these terrible things that are happening in the world to, to Musk. I, you know, I, I don't think that I need to, to even just say, of course, we should not be <laughs> doing bad things to Muslims or mosques. And that I, of course, I think that the, the, the rhetoric, the anti-Muslim rhetoric in Canada, but particularly in the United States, has gotten wildly out of hand, wildly out of hand. But is the state the best tool for trying to crack down on that? I actually don't have the same problem you do with finding that kind of causation. I I absolutely think that if the ruling party of this country goes on a crusade against the niqab, then that there is a link between that and violence on the streets. But that's a pretty clear correlation causation fallacy, Jesse. And the the other issue that we have here is that the, the, the number one group that is still overwhelmingly targeted by hate speech, according to Statistics Canada, are black people. 
Black people are, are still the number one targets, second only by, by gay people. Gay people are number two. And if you're going to look at violent incidents against marginalized groups, gay people top the list, the list on that front. The, the number one religious group that is targeted by hate speech is still Jewish people. Yeah, I, what, what I'm saying simply, Jen, is, is that this whole like, oh, it's just sticks and stones. It doesn't actually. No, words do matter. People do base their actions on words. But the responsibility in law for those actions is on the individual who perpetrates them, not on the person who says those things. And I'm we just we have to tolerate in an open society awful speech that I find deplorable. And I agree with you 100 percent. The way that we deal with that is by mocking and disparaging. I don't necessarily think we have to publish those people. I think it's perfectly OK to say you don't have access to my forum. I'm not going to I'm not going to signal boost you. But I agree with you that the state has no role in that. And I also and I agree with you on this. And I would also point out that. Um, uh, yes, I, I would draw a very important distinction between people saying, oh, you're the National Post, you're bad because you publish this, I disagree with this, and, 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 and force us as editors to reconsider our, our decision to publish certain comments and, and columns. That is part of healthy discourse. I'm, I'm, I'm open to that. I welcome that kind of debate. But um, I think that that is a very different thing from, from, from human rights tribunals and the state whose authority is backed by its ability to deprive you of your property, freedom, and, as, and at the most extreme ends of your life, um, uh, should be enforcing speech codes. I, 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 I just, I, I'm philosophically opposed to that, and it's the closest thing I have to an absolute value. The problem with the National Post is all the opinions that it doesn't publish. That's my problem with the National Post. You know, I, I find uh, criticism of the National Post very amusing because the most virulent and convinced critics of the National Post are often the ones who read it the least often. <laughs> you know, I, I, I don't really want to get into the National Post in particular, because I think there's a couple of rabbit holes we can fall down there. Um, and certainly, you know, I don't agree with 100% of the things that we write there. I, I really don't. Jen, Jen, you're being trolled. It's okay. I'm sorry. I know. I know. I know. But at the same time, you, you know, I, I, on the whole, is, is the National Post a place where I'm pretty proud to work? Yeah, absolutely. On the whole, I think we take pretty reasonable, stake out pretty reasonable conservative positions on, on most issues with, with some dissenting columns among them. And, and, and I'm comfortable with that. Um, but that's just my, my position and my opinion. And that's, again, those are other rabbit holes we could fall down for sure. Hi, I'm Shad and you're listening to CBC. Again. Hi, I'm Shad and you're listening to CBC. 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 C. 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 All of it now. Okay. C. CBC. That's it. That's perfect. Nice. You're going to be great at Q. Well, it didn't work out that way. Do we have to be mean to Chad? Do we have to? We have to. And you know what? Poor Shad. Like, I saw this coming when I spoke with him. The Globe and Mail, uh, Simon Haupt, who I guess does a full disclosure there, wrote a bit of a negative piece about me and I've had my interactions with, just wrote like a Shad, full-on Shad takedown. Question, Q, why is Shad so bad in the Globe and Mail? And I'm more interested in the comments that follow that piece than the piece itself. But, like, they set the guy up. They set the guy up, Jen. Okay, so I have to start by saying I've been on Chad's show a couple of times, and you know, honestly, I I find him lovely. <laughs> you know, I, I I enjoy talking to Chad. I enjoyed my time spending time with him, and you know, I've been on his show, so there's full disclosure right there. Um, I think if the CBC wanted someone who was super good at radio, they would have picked someone who was super good at radio. 
they, they, they would have picked someone who had that background and had that experience, who, who, who had the journalistic chops and the, the broadcasting um, background to, to be able to pull that off. They very consciously went away from that model. They very consciously chose someone whose um, expertise and talents were in a totally different direction, thinking that they could develop him and bring him up to, 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 to where he needed to be. I think it's probably a little bit early in his radio career to say Shad is bad and irredeemable and they should just get rid of it. I think that's still really early. I th- get the sense when listening to Shad that he's a, he's overstage managed, that they, that they don't really give him um, the leash that he needs to, to, to roll with things. That I mean, Simon pointed this out in his column, that it seems like he's reading prepared questions from the list and seems unwilling or afraid to go off script. And, and, and as any interviewer, either on inter- either through radio or through print, will tell you, going off script is what you need to do. The, 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 the first opening questions that you might prepare are just the seeds of the interview. You have, to, you have to sort of follow trains of thought as they go along. And if, you know, he's, and if Shad's being overtra- overstage managed, and if he's being um, told that, you know, you know, these are your 10 questions and you stick to this, um, he's never going to develop that instinct that a good inter- interviewer requires to, to produce, you know, great journalistic content. God help me, I'm going to defend Simon Haupt. I think that it's not too soon to tell. I think Simon waited and there just hasn't been improvement. The problems with Shad at the beginning are, are still the same problems now. And I, I have to say this, like I, I don't necessarily hold – I mean, just to, to, to respond to some of the things you said, they, they decided consciously not to go with somebody who knows radio. They went a different way. The CBC doesn't have hosts that, that, that know radio that they could have chosen. The CBC doesn't develop those people. The CBC if – you, if you start working at the CBC as a young radio producer, you will be mentored and taught how to produce radio. If you want to be a documentary maker, you'll be taught how to do that. If, if you're a CBC reporter, people will teach you how to do that. If you're a bureaucrat there, you can go from a little cub baby bureaucrat and then you'll learn how to do that. Nobody teaches how to host radio at the CBC. And that's why they think they always have to poach people from, I don't know, much music or from the indie rock world or the indie rap world. But the thing is, you can't just put, it's so mean to put a complete rookie on a national stage like that. Like Jen, you might have it in you to be a great rapper. I'm not saying you don't. You might have it in you to be like a world-class rapper. But the thing to do to get you there is not like if Shad had some horrible scandal and he was on a national tour to have you fill in for him. That would be a, a really mean way to introduce you as a rapper and then judge you six months later. And while she hasn't, like, that's just, it's not going to go well. Jesse, let's not pretend that not hosting a radio show is as difficult as rap. <laughs> I realize that, that, that we all think that we're very, we're very good at what we do, but, but come on now, rap's way harder. Rap is way harder than this. There's no way harder about than that. this. I think the question we have to ask here is, is hosting, is interviewing a skill that can be taught or is it an innate talent? Um, I don't know. <laughs> if it's a skill that can be taught, then the the blame here, if Shad is bad, the blame here lies with his teachers. The, the blame here lies with the people who, who have failed to teach him the, the instinct and the skills to do this and do this as well as he could. If it is, on the other hand, a, a raw talent, if it's something closer to that end of the spectrum, um, then, yeah, I think that you're correct to point out that the CBC has set him up to fail. And what they've done is actually very unfair to him. And uh, I don't know. 
I don't know which which one it is. I think it was uh, it was so poorly considered, and it, the decision was made by I think it was Cindy Witten, people who don't have a lot of radio experience, and they put them in a terrible position. But the thing that really annoyed me, uh, Simon's piece. I mean, like, fine, fair enough. I don't really take much issue with what he said in the piece. Uh, the comments were atrocious. Three hundred and fifty comments that just. The thing is that nobody understood the racism that they were that they were espousing in the comments. They don't think of themselves. But listen to some of these comments, and I, I'm not in the habit of like getting of like criticizing commenters. But there was such a, a uniformity to the response. Here are a few of them. CBC hired him out of political correctness, said one person. I've noticed that rappers tend to be witless, said another. And here's another one. If Shad was of the major demographic of this country, he would have been gone after a week. We need to burn the comments. Oh, my God. Je- the, the idea that this was like they had to sort of like compromise on – like if you think that the CBC, in order to hire a black radio host, had to compromise on wit and conversation skills and verbal dexterity, then you do not know enough black people. you know, Or maybe the CBC doesn't know enough black people because that's a ridiculous dichotomy, as is this weird dichotomy that came out in the comment section of like, well, for all of his faults, Gameshi was great. And I, I, I was so delighted when Chris Berube, a radio producer who used to produce for, uh, for Gameshi and now produces for Shad, said – like, I'm tired of this, but you have to admit Gameshi was a good broadcaster. Was Gameshi great? Was he? I think he had a way of, of sort of fooling the ear into making you think that this was really a one. But, you know, he made interviews about himself, said Chris Berube. It was all about celebrity flattery. And Berube went on, like, <laughs> to say that if you're among the bring back Gameshi people in the Globe comment section, you are human trash, said Chris Berube, <laughs> which I appreciated reading. I'm not I'm not super comfortable saying that Shad is, for, is bad. He's forever bad. I'm not comfortable with that. Position. I'm not sure that's a, that's completely correct. Um, that said, we probably need to do a show in the comment sections <laughs> and how we need to make them all go away now. You know what? There's so much truth that comes out. I, I learned so much about the true feelings of Annette, who the, who the Globe Mail's readers are. I don't know. I learned something from all those atrocious comments. No, no, you don't. No, you don't. You learn something about a very, very narrow subset of the reading population. I have to believe this or I will kill myself. <laughs> you know, I, I think you may be right. I think that there, there may be a universe where Shad had received proper training. It's not in being on that national stage with all eyes on you after the flame out of Gameshi uh, with that production schedule, four shows a week, five, they went down to four. You know, I mean, like that is not a good way to train and learn how to conduct an interview with those the strict confines and, and the scripts that were fed to him. I, I don't see the improvement. And it doesn't matter what I I think because the CBC responds to outside stimulus, that's what got Chad in. And now that the Globe and Mail has has uh, gone and, and printed this piece, I, I, I think that Chad's days are numbered. Really? Everything I know about the CBC tells me that that's true. I think that that would be really unfortunate. I think, you know, I... Who doesn't want to see him succeed? He's a lovely, lovely guy, you know? He, he I, think he's like... a, I think he's a great guy. I think he works really hard. Um, I think he tries very hard. And, I, you know, I... It's only been six months, man. <laughs> Cut the guy some slack. You know what, Shad? You are not listening to this, but maybe somebody who is listening to this and knows Shad is just just swing for the bleachers, man. You you are probably on borrowed time. Throw the scripts away and have the conversations you want to have. Just just to hell with it. Jed Gerson, uh, that was your Candleland Shortcuts. Thank you for joining me for it. Thank you for having me. I can be emailed at jesse at canadalandshow.com. If you are the gentleman I met in the barbershop who had a story for me, I lost your card. Please get in touch. jesse at canadalandshow.com. We are on Twitter at Canadaland. 
Jen, where can people find you? They can find me on Twitter as well, Jen Gerson, uh, or the comments section. I'm really diligent about reading them just every single time. <laughs> Our website is CanadaLandShow.com. Our crowdfunding site is Patreon.com slash CanadaLand. I make this show with Katie Jensen. The next episode of CanadaLand will be up on Monday. The next episode of CanadaLand Commons will be up on Tuesday. If you like this show, please support it. I can never tell when you're trolling me. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.